Welcome to the MEFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Lee Hardman, Senior Currency Analyst at MEFG. It's Friday 20th October 2023 and joining Lee to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Andrea Hayward, Vice President of the Japanese Client Sales Group for OMIA in London. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only, and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Hi, Lee. Hi, Andrea. With increased tensions in the Middle East now entering its third week, how do you think the markets have positioned themselves? Yeah, it's a good question, Andrea. Like I think if we look at how the FX markets performed since the conflict started, I think the big surprise to most people is just how stable most of the uh, major FX races have been. And um, we really haven't seen many kind of spillovers really from the conflict uh, into the major FX rates. Uh, the one kind of currency which has benefited so far has been the Swiss franc. You can see that that has been the kind of clear outperformer in, in the G10 space. But overall, it hasn't really shaken up the FX market where volatility remains kind of close to, to year-to-date lows. Um, obviously, going forward, this could become a bigger issue for FX markets. We could see a, a pickup in volatility. But for that to happen, we'd need to see the conflict broaden out to include other countries uh, within the Middle East, which then would potentially have a, a bigger impact as well in terms of triggering a, a move higher in, in the price of, of oil. So that's what we're watching closely to see to see whether this blows up into a, a bigger market moving event for, for the FX market. But the other, I suppose, aspect which is kind of driving FX markets maybe more at the moment is what's happening as well in, in the US bond market, where we've seen a renewed um, sell-off this week with the 10-year treasury yield moving to within touching distance of, of the 5% level. Um, this is obviously reflecting more evidence of, of um, very strong growth in the US. It looks like next week we sh- should see confirmation that growth in the third quarter was close to, to 4%, which is, is more than double really the kind of run rate that we've seen since uh, the COVID shock uh, a couple of years ago. So that, that's obviously uh, the market pricing in kind of more kind of US exceptionalism. And that's been a, a key driver of, of dollar strength really since the, the summer period. But the price action we would think over the past week really has been kind of more interesting in that even though US yields have hit fresh highs, that hasn't been sufficient to trigger some renewed upward momentum for the dollar, which has been kind of still kind of more kind of consolidating uh, close to, to year to date um, highs. And there are a couple of reasons why we think this could be the case. One, like I say, I think the market's already pricing in uh, a lot of the kind of US exceptionalism um, story into markets now. It's, it's obviously been priced in for a couple of months. And our view is that we could see some signs of, of disappointment in the US growth data as we head into year end. Um, the market, I think, would be more sensitive now to, to signs of, of softening growth, which is is what we're, we're expecting. Um, I think that kind of blowout growth in Q3 is unlikely to be uh, sustainable. And that's the message that we're seeing from some of the, the softer data, such as the, um, the beige book this week. 
Uh, the second reason as well, I think while the dollar is struggling to regain upward momentum is the comments that we've had from Fed speakers over the past week or two, uh, including Fed Chair Powell uh, yesterday, where uh, he sent a kind of clear signal that the Fed's prepared to keep rates on hold in November um, to reflect the uh, sharp tightening in financial conditions we've had uh, recently because of the move higher in, in market rates. That's obviously taking some of the pressure of off the Fed to to hike rates further uh, in response to the, the stronger data that that we've seen. Um, and if we're right in terms of the US economy um, slowing in Q4, uh, we do think the Fed will then likely keep rates on, us, on hold as well in, in December. So those kind of risks are potentially uh, dampening uh, dollar upside as well uh, in, in the near term. Uh, and then finally, the other kind of positive story um, outside of the US this week has been the the data from from China, where we had the second consecutive month of, of stronger data in, in September. So certainly more evidence there that the stimulus measures that have been put in place in recent months are helping China's economy to, to bottom out and to uh, increase the likelihood that we could see a further pickup in growth uh, heading into year end. So I think from a, a kind of a dollar perspective, um, reduced kind of downside risks to growth in China, I see that as being something which is is uh, less supportive for further dollar strength from here. You've covered the the US and and the Fed there. I'm just interested going forward. How are the other central banks reacting to their situations, and how do you think that will play out in week ahead? Yeah, and obviously next week we we have a, a couple of, of central bank updates. We have the ECB and, and the Bank of Canada. Um, we think both of those central banks will will keep rates on hold next week. Um, obviously, similarly to, to in, in, in the US, if you look at financial conditions in Europe, those have been tightening recently. We've seen more evidence, particularly in the um, money supply data, and uh, we'll also get next week the release of the latest um, uh, bank uh, lending survey from the uh, ECB. Um, we think the evidence there as well is pointing towards more signs that the the, the the tightening from the ECB is, is feeding through and is posing uh, downside risks to, to growth in, in Europe going forward. So we're expecting the ECB next week to sound relatively more kind of cautious over the need hike rates further from here. The growth uh, in Q3 has been particularly uh, weak in, in, in Europe. So, and, and we've seen as well uh, more of a, a sharper slowdown in, in inflation measures uh, more more recently in, in Europe. So uh, the justification for them to hike rates further is, is certainly diminished quite quite considerably. Um, and to us, that's the, the balance of risk for the euro have increased to the downside recently. Um, or, or, like I say, in terms of the, the risks in the Middle East, um, the, the the risk there is, like I say, if, if the conflict was to broaden out, then that could lead to uh, even higher energy prices. And as we saw last year, following the Ukraine conflict, that negative uh, terms of trade shock for Europe was the the main reason, really, why we saw euro dollar drop towards and, and below parity last year for a period of time. So that's obviously one risk which could drag euro dollar below the one hundred five level later this year. And then another one, I guess, is more Euro-specific is obviously what's happening as well in the Italian debt market, where we've seen yield spreads between Italian debt and German bonds have widened quite considerably recently. There's obviously more concern there over the uh, fiscal position 
in Italy. And um, that's something we're obviously going to be watching closely to see how the ECB responds to that. We were likely to see some some questions in, in, in the Q&A session uh, to uh, President Lagarde. Uh, at this stage, I don't think the ECB would want to kind of uh, worry market participants um, by kind of trying, to, by overemphasizing the, the importance of, 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 of those spread movements. But obviously the, the risk being that the market could, could then think that the ECB isn't uh, going to offer as much support for, for Italy going going forward. So th- that kind of uncertainty potentially as well going forward could be something which puts that more downward, downward pressure on, on the euro. Uh, and then turning to the, the Bank of Canada meeting, like you said, we're not expecting any change in policy next week. Um, obviously the, the release uh, earlier this week of the softer CPI data was was a big relief for, for the Bank of Canada, showing core inflation dropping back after a couple of months of stronger prints so that's taken some of the immediate pressure off them to, to hike again this this year we would though still expect them to still reiterate that their bias is is to do uh, further hikes if if, if needed um, so still keeping a, a hawkish hawkish bias so yeah near term we we still we still think there's there's room potentially for the the Canadian dollar t- to strengthen from from here uh, but that would be more on the back of the potential for uh, the price of oil and energy prices to uh, to increase further uh, in the near term on, on the back of, of Middle East risks. So in our latest FX Weekly report released earlier today, where we were recommending a, a new um, short sterling uh, CAD position to uh, to benefit from, from that view. That's great, Lee. Thank you very much. There's a, a lot to look out for in the coming week. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review and subscribe and contact your MUFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets research team.